Welcome to PhotoDump. This is a podcast by and for working photographers with Ren and Jen. Today, we're going to be talking about marketing. I hate marketing. Marketing is important, essential of your business. (laughs) Essential things for your business that really I never did. (laughs) And then once I did, I was like, oh, people know who I am. And oh, it works. (laughs) This kind of works. But I just need to keep reminding them who I am. You know, I think for me, because my background's in design, I think it started because I was helping a friend design a promo book. So clearly I was fully capable of designing my own, but you're your own worst critic and everything for yourself takes much so much longer. So I kind of put that on the back burner and really was avoiding doing any real marketing for the longest time. And then finally, I was like, okay, you know, I need to, the world is not just going to bring me work. I have to put myself out there. And so I created a, I don't know, probably like 15 or 20 page booklet as my first real, I would say my first real promo piece. I, I had some postcards, but it really was just a photo and it didn't say anything about myself really. But I think those are good to send out. I think they are good to send out too, but I, I don't think I put a lot of effort into it and I don't think it showed that much of, you know, it was one image. I think it could have been utilized a little bit better right, right, right. included more information about myself on said card. And I don't think I sent it to that many people. I think I really just sent it to a few agents because at the time I really didn't know who I should be sending my marketing materials to. But yeah, I made a book and I got featured on Photo Editor and got a lot of meetings from it, which was great. That book was so beautiful. Thank you. So what was your first promo piece? It took me so long to start doing it. Basically, it was something that I I had heard for a long time that was really important to do. And I was like, nah, we don't have to do it. Because I think at that point, I was getting just kind of word of mouth inquiries and, and referrals and stuff like that. I mean, granted, they were for pretty tiny jobs. But I was like, word of mouth is working. And then I think after a few years of that, I was just like, but why aren't I getting any of of kind of like the jobs that I really want. And then I realized that maybe it's time to start doing marketing. But I held off on doing newsletters for a long time because they felt so spammy to me. I was so insecure about spamming people that I was like, I'll just I'll just do the snail mail thing. And so that's really the only reason why I started marketing was because I think I got to a point where I was just like, I want to level up somehow. I keep hearing that this is important. I should just try it. I mean, it's an investment for sure. You know, it's like, I don't know how I feel like I started marketing maybe a year and a half before COVID. So I didn't get that much practice. But It was, I think it was pretty helpful. Like the very first promo that I made was this folded promo with different sections and then it unfolded into a larger collage of images, like a poster, like a small poster, not poster size because that felt a little intense. (laughs) It's like, here, here's a poster. It wasn't eight and a half by 11 though. It was like 11 by 14 14 or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. So I made a second one like that, but the first one I think I made while I was still living in New York and I sent it out to just a, a few number of people and 
I really wanted to shoot for Food 52. And, you know, I sent them that mailer. Like the thing with marketing is that very rarely do you get direct feedback. You just have to do it over and over. So I think, you know, maybe like half a year went by and I realized I knew a friend of a friend that worked there in a non-art related department and I basically just like reached out to her and I was like hey not sure if you remember me from college but I've always wanted to shoot for Food 52 like anyone you could put me in touch with and so basically she got me a meeting with the art director but when I showed up to the meeting the art director was like oh my god I remember your mailer it was really beautiful and so that kind of helped even though it wasn't like a direct link I think it helped and I ended up shooting for them which was great so I spent, you know, I think I, I think for that one, it was my very first one. I maybe spent like five or seven hundred bucks total because I ended up hiring a designer because I, I have no design chops whatsoever and then printing. And then that paid itself back within a shoot. I think people are always curious to know how much was your designer? So I used a friend and my God, he gave me such a discount. I think I think he charged like four hundred bucks. And I don't think I was a good person to, to, I have no design skills, but I'm like, I have a lot of opinions. <laughs> That's a lot of people though. And I'm like, well, I think this should be here and blah, 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 blah. I, I, I have since learned to, to just like chill out and just let people do their thing. But yeah, he was like 400 and I think printing was like 350 or something like that. And it paid itself back with, you know, within one shoot a year later. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think how much it cost me to print mine. I printed my book through Mixum. Yeah, they're so good. I've done some stuff with them. They're a UK company, I think. Uh, my cart, my postcards were, were through Moo, but my book was through Mixum. I want to say it was definitely affordable in comparison to some of the other books that you would get. And I think I did a run of, I want to say I did 30 or 40. And I think I paid around probably 300. So if you guys are looking, you guys can check them out. I feel like I did a little booklet from Mixum. I mean, maybe I used different paper and I think your booklet was a lot had more pages right like I did I think I did like an eight or ten page booklet with them and I believe I got maybe like 250 oh that's a lot printed and I I want to say I want spent like a hundred bucks or like 150 bucks or something well my book was also bigger yeah maybe it's just like bigger more pages let's see if I can look it up right now and then we can tell oh okay so I printed 40 and it was $180. And this was in 2019. That's not bad. Yeah. And so then, of course, if you're doing something so like kind of specialized and maybe more expensive then those 40 are going to your top 40 people that you want to see, whereas things like postcards or, you know, things that might cost, I don't know, say like $250 for 250 copies you could kind of mass mail that right. because then you have to think about postage and right. Yeah. Postage was pretty expensive on mine and I just slowly sent it out. I was like really selective about who I sent it out to that. I would also take it to meetings. That's, that's the printed aspect of it. I just found mine. Mine was 125 copies. It was eight pages. It was a five by seven and it, I paid $110. This is pretty good. It's great. 20 of that was delivery. So yeah. <laughs> I paid $90. What promo book was that? 
the Amop one. Oh, yes, I remember. Just like advertising that cookbook. Yeah, it, that one was really, you helped me with that. Yes. I basically, I made an attempt to send out for, for the year and a half that I did it. I tried to send out one per season. And just because at that time, like I didn't have a big marketing budget set aside. So I basically, I did three small ones where it's either a postcard or like something folded, just something that's less expensive per unit. Yeah. And then one big one, like a booklet or a poster or like, you know, something that's like a little bit more design savvy that I would print more of and send out to people. But the problem is, is, you know, if you're sending it out to 250 or 500 people, or some, you know, some people probably send it out to like, they have a list of a 1000 or 2000 people, I think, going forward, I have to figure out some sort of mailing system, because doing it all myself to save money took so much time. Yeah, I mean, I think, too, like on that note, you know, with pandemic, obviously, a lot of people halted their printed promos. But I also think I think you and I both increased our email promos. Yes, we did. I know for me, I'm trying to do once a quarter for email promos more if I have something to say. But right now, just once a quarter. How about you? I think that's a good goal. When I started doing newsletters, that was my goal was to do one a quarter. And then once I kind of got in the habit of it, I'm I was I think I I feel like every other month is the sweet spot for me. But it really just depends on if I have work to show or if I have the time to make it. I was going to do a holiday one. And I was I was actually talking about it with Robin because I was like, should I send out one more because we have some new work to show. But it's kind of in this tricky time of the year where people it's like between Thanksgiving and New Year. Right. Well, I still feel like people are working. They're working, but I feel like I feel like it's kind of this weird time because those people are are, are finishing up the projects for the year. It, it just almost feels kind of like a missed opportunity. And then I was like, should, should I send one out before Thanksgiving? But then it's going to get lost in the Thanksgiving holiday. And then after Thanksgiving, people are just like wrapping out there. Anyway, basically, I talked to Robin about it and she said, you know, maybe it's just for you to not feel like you're wasting your time just send one out in the new year like right in the beginning of the new year and just be like here's a recap kind of thing yeah so I'm gonna I've set a reminder to work on that maybe if I get really restless during the holiday break (laughs) that's what I'll be working on are you officially taking I guess you have a shoot next week. So then are you just taking off after next week? Yes. Although we did get an inquiry for a last minute shoot on like that Monday or Tuesday. And I think now that we lost out on that on that beer job that I won't mention mm-hmm. for the week of Christmas, I think I might just like actually take my holiday. Oh, and just pass on it. Yeah. I mean, they also prefaced in the email, they're like, this is a really low budget. So I just, I don't oh. think I wanted the stress of shooting the week of Christmas for a really low, like yeah. so many, it was hard enough for the, that advertising job to find people that were available. Oh my God. I don't even know who we would have had as our food stylist because everyone we reached out to was on vacation. Oh, great. <laughs> but yeah, so I think newsletters are really great. I guess to circle back to my fear of spamming people, the people that are on your newsletter list 
are they're used to receiving those newsletters that's how that's how they keep track of people that's how they learn about new people and so if they're being spammed they can just unsubscribe yeah and i just had to force myself to get over that have you had a lot of people unsubscribe um i feel like i usually have I don't know, three to five people unsubscribe each time, which is not that much. Yeah. Considering it goes out to like thousands of people. Same. I don't have that many people unsubscribe. And I think sometimes too, I think one of the questions is how do you find these emails to add to this list? So there are software services that you can purchase, but if you are frugal <laughs> like me me too <laughs> get a free linkedin a trial <laughs> you can look on linkedin there's like a free software i can't remember what exactly it was called like rocket something where you can kind of google people's names and where they work and they'll try to search for for example if you work at whole foods your email address usually is ren fuller at wholefoods.com and not r fuller at wholefoods.com right. so there's sort of like a pattern yeah. of how people have their addresses and then you kind of guess and send it to them and hope that they get it um you know you'll always get a bounce back if it's the wrong email or you know i even really hesitated to put some people's personal emails because i've been able to find personal accounts and i've ended up leaving some of those personal gmail accounts and i've never seen them unsubscribe mm -hmm. so i think just take the chance and like ren said if they don't want to see your mail then they'll just unfollow yeah but i i think also if i could do it over again i would have just bought a mailing list and not i literally <laughs> spent half a year compiling <laughs> Like my list of like 200 people because I just would just go down the deep, deep dive of LinkedIn. But so even much. when you pay a service, it's not like it's going to tell you. No. If you are looking for someone specific, it's not going to tell you yeah. their email. I'm not even really sure how those services work exactly. I do know, you know, obviously there's a wide number of people on there, but I yeah. feel like the benefit of what we did by me individually searching for people. I remember when I didn't have before my agent was involved and I just had a very personalized list. I think I had between two and 300 people. My open rate was really high. Uh-huh. Right. Because it was really fine tuned to exactly. Yeah, it yeah. was really fine tuned to people. So I think that was like the advantage right. of knowing, you know, exactly who you're sending yeah, everything out too. Yeah, I guess it's I guess it's a mix. I think it's always good to start with your personal dream list. And then once you have those people, I think eventually, whether your agent kind of shares their list with you or you buy one, I think it is good to eventually expand out to just the faceless <laughs> list. Mm -hmm. of yeah, of people because you never know. And it's amazing. Like, I, it's it, the really fun part about sending out the newsletter is looking at the analytics after and seeing, you know, if you see someone open something like 10 times, I'm like, whoa, yeah, they liked it. Yeah. Or maybe they didn't because sometimes I think it's like a computer generated click or something. Yeah, sometimes I can't really tell because sometimes the people that I see opened it a lot. I'm like, why? Why did they open this specific email so many and times? And why did they open it like 10 times in the course of a minute? <laughs> <laughs> Who's to know? It, it That's the thing is I feel like with marketing, it 
And I think the reason why a lot of people, or I don't know, at least for me, the reason I held off for so long is it really felt like a waste of money because it wasn't instant feedback. Or well, also, I think like you can't tell is very rare, I guess, that you're like, oh, I sent this newsletter and XYZ saw it and XYZ hired me because of this newsletter. It's, yeah, it's usually exactly. not that case, but you know, oh, I saw your newsletter and I saved your name and in their spreadsheet so that when they have the right job. I think it really works. I think it really works. I think I was telling you on one of our other recordings that I sent out that drinks newsletter and that and And you got the cookbook. Yeah, it was like a publisher reached out to see if I wanted to write a book. In the end, I was like, I'm not ready for this project. But, you know, it was just like a direct, like she actually referenced that newsletter and being like, of course, like you do this lighting that this is would be perfect for this book and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, cool. Instant, instant feedback. (laughs) That's, I think that's the nice part about the newsletter is it's really easy for people to actually respond if they like it. And I feel like usually when I send out a newsletter, I'll get a few like actual responses being like, great work. Thanks for sharing. Right. Which is really nice. On that note, going back to printed promos, when I sent my printed promo, obviously I had a smaller subset of people, but I followed up with everybody. You did. Wow. Uh Uh-huh. Because I also didn't have that many. I only had 40. And I didn't even send 40 out all at the same time. So it was a very specialized group. Emails to follow up with everybody. Just, you know, hey, I sent you a promo book. Hope you got it. Would love to know your thoughts. Or if you, you know, have a project in mind. Something like that. So for smaller ones. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't be able to do that on any like 250 postcard things. Yeah. The booklet, I think, was basically a mini portfolio for me. So that felt different. And you said you got a lot of meetings from it. Yeah, I got a lot of meetings from it. And really, that's also how I met my agent. That's cool. Three years ago. (laughs) Did they email you after they received that booklet? Or did you do that check in and they responded? I can't remember. I have to go back through my email. But I definitely know I did get at least two inquiries, like they directly reached out. But I can't remember now if my agent did or not. There was at least two or three agents that did reach out from that. That's so great. So I would say printed promos and emailers are the two main marketing. But in addition, there are also services you can pay an absorbent amount of money for, which I actually have never been a part of any of them. Found, workbook. But you didn't you were also part of workbook, weren't you? I tried. I think it's important to talk about everybody's different ways and like what works for them because what works for you might not work for somebody else and vice versa. I never did any of them. I think Commune is they have like a free option and then they have like a paid option. So I am on there as a free member which I haven't been very active in terms of just posting new work. Has it led to anything? And it's also commune with a K, right? Yes. It hasn't led to any work, but I have gotten inquiries through there. Oh, cool. Amy Cooper did a good review of all the different, basically I would call them yellow books Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. (laughs) photographers. And uh, you should definitely look that up. It's on a photo editor and I think it was great because they break down all of the different platforms and they talk about how many photographers are on there. The one that I kind of dabbled with, they 
had a very small amount of photographers, but it was a very expensive for the year. Like I'm talking like almost $10,000 a year, which was not something I was in a place that I could afford. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell us about your experience. So I was with an agent that required each of their photographers to be on this platform. And it's so expensive. I think if you're not represented by anyone, which is that's the irony is like, it's more expensive if you're not represented. So it's $8,000. If you're just going in there without any connections a year to be listed on this service with like hundreds of other photographers, I was like, there's no way I can afford $8,000 a year for this one thing that does not guarantee you anything. Except for like a page. And they also had a printed book, right? And they had two printed books. But the books are like... Was everybody in the printed book or... Everyone's in the printed book that has the membership service. It's not even selective. I'm pretty sure everyone is in it. But the book is massive. I don't know. It's something like 500 pages or something like that. And like a 500 page book, you have to sit down and dedicate like an hour to go through it. And I'm imagining everyone with all these super busy schedules... I'm like, there's no way they're getting this book and then taking an hour out of their day to dedicate time to actually look through it. Like I've received the book and I'm in it and I've literally just like flipped through it. Did they break it down into like categories of photography? On the website they do. Or is it just literally like a coffee, coffee book kind of style? It's a, it's a small coffee book. And I have to say, I feel a like... A small 500 page coffee book? Yeah, it's like... Uh, I have it somewhere I it can't be more than like five by eight or something like that oh okay it's pretty small and I feel bad I'm I'm kind of like railing on this company that like the owners are 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 great and they're super involved and you can email them and they send out newsletters and they do provide portfolio reviews and stuff like that which I did one of I didn't even get my second portfolio review that was included anyway long story short my agent I think because she has a relationship with these people, there was a discounted price of $4,000 a year. And when we were negotiating the contract, I was just like, I, I was like, I am just, I don't know who, like who you think I am. I'm just not in the place. Like if I was going to spend $4,000, I'd buy myself a camera to replace my outdated camera. But like, I can't afford that right now. So we were negotiating and I just kind of put my foot down and I was like, I can't do it. I'm sorry if that's the deal breaker, like totally understand, but I just don't have that money. And then we got some big job. And then on top of that job, they halfway through the shoot, they wanted to buy out the whole like library. So then we got extra money on top of the big job. And she immediately like when she told me the news of the buyout, she was like, I think you should take 4000 of that dollars and invest it in workbook. And I was like, sure, I'll do it. And literally nothing came from it. Like not a single thing. It was such a waste of money, I think. Was part of it through pandemic as well, though? I think it was like half a year before the pandemic. And then the only inquiry I received directly from Workbook was some, I can't even remember what the details were, but it was some like super, super, super low budget. Like we have no money, but can you make this amazing video for us? Inquiry. And I was like, okay, workbook. I think the whole thing felt a little bit outdated to me. 
because so much of everything is online right now, it felt like an unnecessary expense when so many people are utilizing their their social media or newsletters. There's like so many online platforms. And I think at the time that I signed up, their website felt really outdated too. They've since redesigned it and it's actually really beautiful. But it just, I felt, I feel like I kind of got pressured into doing something that I didn't believe in. I mean, I I like lamented about it the whole year. I remember, I remember you were not very happy about the money you spent and the return that you've gotten on there. And I think also there were, you could see like viewership, right? You could see like how many people looked at your page. And so just in terms of that, I don't think you saw a lot of return. It wasn't, it wasn't worth it. I was like, I don't want to pay $4,000 to have like 40 people look at my page. That's just ridiculous. But I have to say that it didn't work for me, but there are definitely photographers that find success with those platforms for sure. And I don't know if it's like algorithm related or maybe their work is just like really stands out on these platforms or whatever it is. Do you also think maybe it's like the type of work? It could be the type of work. Fashion photographer. Because agencies do use those services. Do they? I mean, obviously... I think they, I mean, it sounds like they do. Um, I think it just depends on the agents and what they're using. Yeah. Um, but it does also sound like a lot of people just find new talent through social and newsletters, I yeah, think. Yeah, Instagram. Yeah. Does, um, does Apostrophe have you join any of these platforms? Mm, no, but I also don't know. I do think they're part of LeBook, but I don't know if LeBook has a platform. I think also because I started in a pandemic year, it's it might be a different case scenario. But I do know a lot of agents that I talked to did have requirements. And that was one of the hesitations for me as well. Yeah. I mean, I think it was a really important thing to have at a certain point, you know, maybe like 10, 15 years ago. I mean, it was be- it was before my time, but there was a time where printed portfolios were going out and like these meetings were being, you know, these portfolio reviews were being organized like from the agent to the agency, all of the stuff that, and that's where Wrapbook came in in hand because I think they do a lot of those kinds of events for agents and agencies and stuff like that, where it was really important to be on there. Basically, I think the way that my first agent described it, she was like, I don't want to re- represent someone that's not searchable and I, and being searchable on these platforms because they were so big at one point. So I, I get that they were super important. I just feel like, I don't know, I just feel like photography is changing a lot and like the digital world is changing so the much. The digital world is completely yeah. different. I mean, even like when we start, when we talk about usage and everything it's just like for a while people were like oh it's just for social but it's like well that's like the primary marketing platform now so it's not just for social that's like where all your eyeballs are um i will say though i'm pretty sure with found you can have a an account with them and they will actually help represent you so they're not your agent but they will help represent you and help bid for you without you paying additional for that service unless you get the job i wonder wonderful machine does the same thing i'm pretty sure if you're not a member i definitely know they charge but i'm not sure if you are a member if they I, don't charge. i don't but think yeah they, they will just take a percentage yeah. which is in some ways nice i mean i had talked to somebody from found more recently i guess within the last year and they did 
give a pretty good pitch that made it sound worthwhile because I feel like the annual cost in was much lower than the other ones that I had seen. I think it's like $50 a month. It, it was really affordable. Yeah. Something real, a lot more affordable, yeah. but I never, I never tried it. I never took advantage of it. So I can't really speak to how well it works or anything, but I do know if you're at a point where you don't have an agent and you haven't had somebody and you don't know if you want an agent, maybe this is a service that would work in your favor to have somebody help you bid on certain projects without having to ask an agent to temper up you. Totally. I feel like we know some people that used Wonderful Machine not as a member, but as like a bidding partner. But yeah, Wonderful Machine was an affordable, semi-affordable. Are you still on it? No, I was on it for three three months. Oh, I thought, because I felt like you actually liked your experience there. So I didn't know if you had continued. I feel like they have a good sense of community. Like we were always getting, I was always getting emails from different departments being like, we want to feature you here. We want to do, we're including you in a roundup here, which was really nice. And the reason that I signed up for it was because a friend of mine had good success on it. Like she said, she signed up for it and she got, she started getting inquiries right away. I, I think maybe with wonderful machine it depends on what market you're in what what your location is who knows it's it's really just I have no idea what makes someone have success on a platform like that and what doesn't but again I kind of just gave it I forget if it was three months or six months and the only thing that happened was I think my website traffic increased I was like eh whatever I'm just gonna focus on newsletters because that just seemed like the most direct way yeah I mean I think also a lot of with a lot of these service and with anything it takes time and sometimes that's at least six months I would say yeah I guess I just feel like there are more proactive ways if you're gonna spend the money I think there are more proactive ways like direct mail newsletter or even just paying for a service to get to get like a massive email list I don't know to me it feels like there are better ways to spend your money but I also think that it really benefits some some people right I guess I don't have a strong opinion Aside from the $8,000 subscriptions, <laughs> it's just like try maybe utilizing that $8,000 for something more proactive and in- engaged. Yeah, I think that definitely. But I will have to say, very important to market yourself if you want to have more of a reach, if you want to have more eyeballs on your work. That's really all it is. It's like word of mouth is great and Instagram is great. If you think about, you know, like I think my mailing list is like 1800 people. And even if it's like 50% of that mailing list opens it, that's like 500 to 1000 people that just looked at your work today. That's so cool. I think, I think it's easier to kind of wrap your mind around the cost of marketing if you kind of just start setting aside money specifically for a marketing budget and then it feels less painful to drop 500 bucks on printing or whatever. What is the percentage? I mean, I think there's a certain percentage um, and I'm not sure what it is, but maybe when you're just starting... 10% can feel like a lot. A lot. So yeah. maybe it's 5% or, you know, use that as a guidance. But Or another way to utilize that marketing budget, which is what I'm in the middle of trying to figure out is website. Your website should be awesome. 
or at least good. You should be able to move through it in like a, a nice intuitive way. There's all of these interviews that I've heard about what makes a good website, you know, like, is it a slideshow? Is it a scroll through? Heather Elder has a podcast. And I feel like she is constantly asking that question of, of her art producers. So that's a good podcast to check out. But I'm kind of at the point where I'm thinking about instead of spending money on promos, maybe I set it towards like a website redesign where it's not me making choices. It's someone that has a really good design sense that can make something unique in hopes that that'll help make me stand out in our massive pool of photographers because <laughs> there's so many amazing photographers and it's like, what is it that's going to make you stand out? So that's another thing to think about. And we could talk about it if I ever take the plunge and find someone. Set aside that marketing budget. Um, you did just get a nice check. So maybe you should just put all of that. Do you have time to hear about it real quick? Yeah. I did this job almost five years ago now, four and a half years ago for no money. I mean, the rate that they got me for was just ridiculous. And But it was for a beer company. And I got great images from it that led to a lot of work. So I was happy. It was like a great experience. It was a great crew. Overall, awesome. Two years ago, I got an email from the creative director asking what it would cost to renew the usage on it. And I sent her a quote for international and national and then never heard from her again. And then she ended up leaving the company. And so it just disappeared in the void. And then earlier this year, we got an email from someone that took over that account. And she included her internal thread in the email, basically being like, we'd like to renew these images. But then in the thread, it was really obvious that they have been using my images out of license for the past two years, and they wanted to renew for two more years. And so my agent was just like, yeah, we'd be happy to provide you a quote, but we'll also have to retroactively bill for the two years of usage. And so anyway, long story short, we got like a, such a paycheck because it was copyright infringement. Yeah. They tried to, yeah, they, you know, Robin, I think, pitched a number and then they came back with half of that amount. And then I, I asked you and I asked Marion and Sam and everyone was just like, just stick with the number, stick with the high number. Cause I was like, oh, maybe, you know, I don't want to burn any bridges. Maybe we should just meet halfway. And everyone was just like, just stick with the number. And so then Robin was just like, well, they don't really have that much wiggle room because copyright infringement is like a pretty big deal so I'm just gonna try to stick with a number and she just emailed me this morning being like they approved it and I was like oh my god yay Christmas bonus so did they just approve it for two years or did they end up buying it in perpetuity I think it was a four-year total and to me it's a huge number but per year for four years it's actually totally reasonable we didn't we didn't say some like absurd number. And I think what was in our court was the fact that I imagine if it got to the point where we had to take it to court, it would, they probably would have had to pay so much more because copyright infringement is huge. It's like a huge right. deal. So that was exciting. <laughs> So that's the news. best news. That's the best case when you can get just a nice little paycheck from just out of nowhere for something you did many years ago. And so this is why you should always make sure you have usage in anything you write yes. to anybody. With specific years. All cool. Right. Well, this is great. Yay. Love 
talking to you always. If you have any comments, questions, or ideas on future episodes, email us at photodump.club at gmail.com. Photodump was created by Ren Fuller and Jennifer Chong. Thank you to Sam Fuller for our cover art and overall tech support. Our music was created by Daniel Smith. You can find me on Instagram at jchongstudio. And me at Ren underscore Fuller. Thanks for listening. Thank you.